Well, we've been talking about how to discover God's plan and purpose for your life. This is not really taught, but what we are talking about, and I would encourage you, go back and, and outline last week's message because it is so very important. You know, Pastor Dave touched on it. God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. One of the things we said last week is we looked at a couple scriptures, I mean, literally, that tell us it is not in us as a man that walks, right? God created man. It's not in us to direct our own steps. The Bible also says, New Testament, it literally says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. It's not even entered into the heart or the mind of man the incredible things that God has planned for those that love him, right? So literally, you can't see it, right? You, you're not, you, don't, you can't direct your own steps. How can you direct your own steps? Because you can't see it, right? So you've got to be, you've got to have the plan of God just literally shown to you. Well, how does, how does God show you the plan? The word of God is a lamp to your feet. It will show you right where you are. And it's a light to your path. It will show you the next step. As you take that step, then God reveals himself and you take another step. And that's how you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, as Colossians would say it. Well, what, how does light come out of the word? It comes as a result of you putting the word of God first place and going from just a listener, going from a reader to a hearer and a meditator of the word of God so that you could be a doer of the word of God. When you meditate in the word of God, you say it over and over. It's great to read your Bible, right? I read about 12 chapters a day. That's the most brutal part of my day because I... I want to just look up Greek words and think about stuff, and I've got to shut my phone off. i, I got to put it over away from me, right? And I just read. And, and it's really hard for me to read and not take notes. But the only thing I do write down is if a scripture jumps off at me, I know that's the Holy Spirit going, Tony, this I want you to meditate in. And so literally, I will start, I'll usually build a confession of that scripture, right? And then I walk around saying it. I just walk around saying it a lot. Why? Because as I say it, as I mutter it, right, the word down in my heart, the Holy Spirit will etch it on my spirit, man, and open it up and light will come out. And that's how the Holy Spirit shows you things to come. He doesn't tell you things. He shows you things. Well, how does he do that? He uses his flashlight, right? And he, he points it down and goes, okay, hey, this is where you are. You thought you were really in faith, but no, you're not. Look, look at, look at what's right, and you're going, yeah, you're right. Or, hey, listen, make this adjustment, make that adjustment. Or sometimes this is where you are. Satan's telling you you're not in faith. He's telling you you didn't lay hold of your healing. He's telling you you didn't lay hold of your finances. But look at where you are. No, you did. You just can't perceive it yet with your senses. So don't buy his lies. You're right in the right place. Don't always come from the place where you think you miss it. Right? If Satan's telling you you're missing it, chances are 100% of the time you're not missing it. Now, if your spirit is telling you you're missing it, 100% of the time, you're missing it, right? So you have to know what's the difference. How do I tell the difference, right? So we're going to talk about all of this, and we're going to continue to go in this tonight. You guys ready? Hallelujah. I already know there's no possible way. I had 27 pages of notes, and I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous, so we will continue in this next week, unless Jesus comes for the church, and then whatever, it's party time next week, right in heaven. So go to Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, 4. You know we're a final day's church. You know what that means? 
You plan like he's not coming in your lifetime, but you live like he's coming in the next three seconds, right? We walk looking, fixing our eyes on him and looking up because I'm telling you, we're seeing Bible prophecy fulfilled before our eyes in our generation. The days are here. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But man, when you come, you're going to find me real busy because I don't want anybody going through the tribulation. I don't, I don't want anybody going to hell, right? I want everybody to hear the gospel. I want everybody to see the gospel through me, right? Through my life. All right, Psalm 37, verse 4. We went really into in the 37th Psalm last week. We're going to focus on verse 4 to just keep going with this. It says, delight. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Notice, nobody else could cause you to delight in the Lord. You have to delight in the Lord. You have to make that decision. But pastor, I don't have any desire I'm sitting here, if I were to be honest, I'd rather not even be here. I never want to read my Bible. I have no desire for God. Do you know what I would say to a person like that? You're wrong. That's just your flesh. The only reason why you can't sense the hunger that your spirit, the real you, has for the word is because you haven't been eating. Naturally, the more you eat physically, you get to the point where you don't want to eat anything. It is opposite spiritually. The more you eat the word of God, the more you, and how do you eat it? You chew it. You, that's called meditation. You mutter it you, over and over again. Remember, the word meditation, the closest thing to that is like a cow chewing its cud. It eats its food, it chews it up real good, swallows it, then decides to bring it back up again into its mouth and chews it some more, which is nasty. But spiritually, it will change your life, right? So, so this is how, the more you hunger, the more you feed on God, the more you will see he's good, the more you'll see he's irresistible, the more you'll see he's life, and the more you will want to eat. You want to be a flat-out spiritual glutton, right? Spiritual glutton for the word of God because it'll change your life. Delight yourself also in the Lord in other words, delight, that which gives you great pleasure, great satisfaction, that is in that Hebrew word delight. It literally means it gives you such great pleasure and satisfaction that it is the source, or he is the source of my joy, my pleasure, and my satisfaction. And that word delight means to be pliable. As I make God the source of my joy, the source of my pleasure, the source of, of what satisfies me, right? It gives me great pleasure. All these things. As I do that, I become pliable. What does that mean? It's like you're clay on a potter's wheel, and he's the potter, and you're the clay, but it's pliable so he could... He could just mold you into the man and woman of God that he's created you to be. The Lord told me years ago, right, with, with my wife, he said, listen, you love her, and that will help put her in an environment where that she will be pliable so that I could mold her, Jeanette, into the woman of God that she is to be. It's not my job to tell her what to do, to tell her how to change. What do I know? I'm up to here with me, Amen. right? So remember that, husbands, and then times two, and remember that, wives, because we know your deal is this. You have a lot of, you, your flesh will not want to honor your husband. Your flesh will tell you, hey, you're more spiritual than he is. Do you know your spirit doesn't ever say that? Only your flesh will say that. Right? So, so you got to honor him even when he doesn't deserve it. Because he's a guy, and he's probably not going to deserve it a lot, right? Okay? But it pays big dividends. It pays big dividends. Man, I'll tell you what. I could write a book on how my wife has honored me when I haven't deserved it. Makes for a great life right? 
makes me want to love her and give myself to her. See, that's the guy's problem. Now, the husbands, you guys all love me, but all of you, I don't care how old you are, I don't care whatever, I don't care if you're eight years old, you open the door for your mother, your grandmother. You husbands, you open the door for your wives. Well, I've never done that. I've been married 50 years. So what? Because we need, and wives, you need to let them. Because some women are like, oh, no, man, I'm, a, I'm my own person. I don't need anybody to open my door. No, your husband needs you to let him open your door. Why? Because it helps him, it'll help him not get lost in all this other stuff. Because we, we get lost in things. See, if we don't like a room, we just shut the door and go to another room. Right? Your wife asks you what's going on. Nothing. Why do you say nothing? Because you're in the nothing room. You're tired of everything else, right? Anyway, we better jump back here. This is not a marriage seminar, so let's keep going. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and look at what he will do. He will give you the desires of your heart. Desires, plural. Now remember, the word desire, D-E, of, sire, the father. Right? All true desires are of the father. If you look at the Greek words, even in the Bible, where it talks about an evil desire, look at that Greek or Hebrew word. It will, it will literally, the definition many times will have in it a craving, a lusting, talking about your flesh. But if it's a desire from God, it is, it, it, it's literally an expression of his will for your life. So let's keep going with this. He'll give you the desires of, you, of your heart, desire. It's something that you're craving for, that you yearn for, you want, not because you need it, it's just a burning desire in your heart. So all desires, all of them, come from God as a result of delighting in his word. If you're not delighting in the word of God, you will have no desires from God, so that means no expressions of his will for your life, so you are walking blind. You're literally just trying to figure it out. And sometimes you guess right, maybe, but most of the time you won't, right? So this is big. God really, 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 really wants you to become aware that he, he alone is the source of your desires. See, how, how messed up is the word desire? Because now, you know, you watch TV and you've got this guy desiring to sleep with this woman. Lust and this and that. and I desire power and I desire money. No, 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 no. That's a craving. That's your flesh. It's not a desire. Because a desire from God, we're going to talk about that. It is an expression of his will for your life. It will produce nothing but life. It will never hurt anyone. It will bring life into their life, always. It'll rid you of selfishness and self-centeredness as you walk in these things. There is no such thing, no such thing as an evil desire, okay? There are just cravings in your flesh and cravings in your unrenewed mind. And you renew your mind with the word of God so that you change how you think so that you could beat your flesh and tell your flesh, this is what we're doing, this is what we're saying, you are not my guide, right? So this is how we live as Christians. These desires from God are expressions of his will for your life. We said this, I'll say it again. God's will comes into your life in the form of his word. Boy, this is just not taught, and it needs to be. But his will for your life comes out of your heart in the form of desires. You'll hear me say things like, if you're a child of God, your future is not in front of you, it's within you. If you're born again, everything 
you will ever do in all eternity is already in your heart. And you need to draw it out from the deep well of salvation. And how you do that is by delighting in him. The more you delight, the bigger the, the, the desires from God get so gigantic that they will literally eclipse these cravings or things that you, your own ideas, the devil's counterfeits. As you keep delighting, you will know very clearly what you're to do. The problem is we get impatient, right? We get, we, or we get distracted and we think we're delighting, but we're really not, right? Or we get impatient and, and we're, we're still unsure, but we, this craving in my flesh really wants that. And many times that is not a bad thing in the natural. But to God, it would be a bad thing because he's not leading you there, right? You, what is the definition of success? Are you doing what God's called you to do? It's not what the world deems success, right? Even at an early age, God is putting desires in your heart as you delight in him. So we want to teach our children even how to delight in him. And that, I'm telling you, that's a challenge because it takes time, right? We're called to make disciples. If any of you are actually doing that, that you know how frustrating that is. Because baby Christians, man, they are exactly the way you and I were. Right? They want to take one scripture and go running nine million miles away or just... And, and you're like, whoa, whoa, time out. No, 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 no. No, no, you don't go that way. I want you to go this way. Right? Have you ever done that? Where God's kind of put something on your heart? He's showing you some things that you're going to be doing in maybe 20 or 30 years, and you're like, gone. You're just going to do it right now. And then it all falls apart, and you're like, well, how did that happen? Right? God will teach you very quickly. Just, it's like he grabs your little face. And he's like, okay, now hold on. I'm going to tell you something. But listen, it's not just what to do, but it's the timing and everything. There's, there's about 8 million things I need to put in you before we're doing this. Okay? God gives you desires. You know why? He gives them to you to fulfill them. So every desire of your heart, he longs and desires to fulfill them in your life. Now, remember, we talked about this place of Jehovah Jireh. God many times has to take you to a place to get you to walk in a blessing. He's got to get you in a place in your attitude. It's, and, and if you're not willing to go there and deal with this problem in your attitude, he can't get a blessing over to you. So in other words, he has to take you places to get things into your life. It's kind of the same thing that we're talking about right here. So you come, so this is kind of the progression. You come to God first, and then you use your faith that comes from hearing his word to believe him for the desires of your heart. Boy, that's never taught in the faith. What, what are we always, we're taught, hey, faith gives substance to the thing that you're expecting, right? Does it? Yes, but how many Christians are believing God? Father, I, I'm believing you for direction. So what I'm believing you for is that you bring a desire out of my heart so that I know which direction to go. See, that's a, that's a depth of a walk of faith that will make you very productive in your life. That was worth coming tonight. He meets you right on the line of those desires when you reach out to him in faith. And that's why as you learn how to walk by faith, not being moved by the outside, but you're being moved on the inside in all this night, nightmare chaos called life, right? The valley of the shadow of death. I walk in it in this loud screaming world. I walk in it in peace and quiet assurance because I'm righteous, right? And I walk in the peace of God. 
and I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe from God's Word. So he meets me on line of those desires when I reach out to him in faith. I'm believing him to give me the desires of my heart so that I know God's plan for my life and how to walk that out. So, how do I determine whether these desires are coming out of my heart, my spirit, they're expressions of God's will, or whether they're just in my head, my own ideas, or even the devil's counterfeit ideas? So, how do I determine if these desires that we would call it are good? How do I determine that? Ask yourself the question, will it hurt others or will it help others if this desire is fulfilled? If this desire that I think may be God, but I want to make sure it is, this is the litmus test. Is it going to help someone? Is it going to help others or is it going to hurt others? Well, it's going to help me, but it's going to hurt others. Haven't hit it yet. Okay? Here's another question. Will, if, this, if the desire that I think is a desire of the Lord, to know whether it's God or not, will it further the kingdom of God? Or will it hurt the kingdom of God if it's fulfilled? Do you know how many churches would not be stifled in their growth and development because people on a whim have left. Well, I just want to go to that church. I don't like that this, or I don't like that. I'm just, I'm just going over here. And all of a sudden, this wonderful gift that was supposed to be here is no longer here. Now, will God make that up? Yeah. That's, as the pastor of this church, God says, I'll bring everything to maturity, Right? If you'll just delight in me, Tony. So, so there's a way for me, but what will God have to do? He'll have to bring some, he'll have to get another gift here for that because somebody left. So you got to ask yourself, is it going to hurt the kingdom or is it going to help the kingdom in every area of your life? See, most Christians don't ever think about the kingdom. But God says, seek it first, right? Here's another one. Will it help me or will it hurt me if this desire is fulfilled? you got to ask that question, and that question you've got to get an answer in your heart. Right? Man, God just blessed me. God just blessed me with a camper. And then next summer, you're never in church because you're at the campsite having quality time with your family. 10 or 15 years later, none of your kids are serving God. Your marriage is a mess. But boy, you spent some quality time with your family. But you did it at the expense. Instead of letting God bring a desire up so that you could have this camper and you could keep going in the kingdom of God and you could have wonderful family time and he balances it all out for you. Right? There's just a big difference. This is such a big subject, guys because of the church environment we are living in today. We're living at the final days. Perilous times are here because men are lovers of their own selves. But now we're, we, you start to ask these questions and you're like, oh gosh, now I see why my life may be, why sometimes it's really going really good for me because I'm walking in line with this and, so, and, and sometimes it's not because I'm not, right? And it helps us. There is no way no way that any desire that comes from God, there's no way that it could ever hurt you. It just, it, it's impossible. Nothing that God would ever tell you to do would hurt you. Now, I know that sounds, it's like, okay, pastor, can we get into something that's deep? That's deep. Do you know how many, how many Christians don't tithe? They don't honor God in their finances. Why? Because they think it'll hurt them financially. But there's no possible way. How many Christians are so afraid to do good to someone who's despitefully used them? 
because, man, I can't do that because it'll hurt me. No, it's impossible. Anything God will lead you to do will only produce life. Only produce life. And see, this is why Psalm 37 starts out with trust. You gotta trust him. He'll never let you down. Every desire from God will help others and it will further the kingdom of God and it will help me. Right? If you want to put them in order, every desire from God will further the kingdom of God, it will help others, number two, and it will always help me. Because we got to keep that in, in proper order. You're last. Right? But what has the Bible said about last? You'll be first. But you don't make yourself first. See, you sow into other people, sow into the kingdom, sow into other people's lives, and guess what? God sows into you. So you end up on top every time. God will never give you a desire for something someone else has. Right? I remember a story that Brother Hagen told years and years ago about a Rhema student who came up to him and said, God told me that your, your vehicle is mine. Right? Now, I could tell you stories that I found out about Brother Hagen that nobody knows about how that man, he financed the retirement of so many pastors and churches that he would preach at that when they retired and they had nothing, he just took care of them. Tons of, I mean, just sowed and sowed and sowed. But that Rama, grad, that Rama student never got that vehicle. <laughs> so let's look at this. How do we do this? Let's keep going with this. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because Romans chapter 12 these first six verses are huge as far as finding and discovering God's plan for your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Hallelujah. Paul says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren. In other words, Paul is calling these Christians, these Roman Gentile Christians, he's calling them out to be separate from the world. That's the whole context of this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So let's break this down. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. This word in the Greek language means to yield your bodies, to present Literally, your bodies in a spirit of sacrifice to God. And your bodies include your senses. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. What a paradox for a Pharisee to teach on. That had to come from God because Paul was a Pharisee. He actually was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He taught under Gamaliel. If you knew Paul, he could stand there and recite Genesis 1-1 all the way through Malachi. He could recite the whole thing. And he could tell you about every sacrifice. He could tell you the, every, everything. He could tell you all about all the laws and ordinances. He could recite it all and tell you about it all. And yet this man, which had this massive knowledge do you know how many living sacrifices were in the Old Testament? None. All of them were dead. So now here's Paul giving, giving the revelation of Jesus Christ now to the church. He's saying, present, yield, present in a spirit of sacrifice your physical bodies to the Lord. But you're going to have to do it by the mercy of God. He'll help you do it. But you have to yield it. He will help you, but you have to make that final decision. He will not ever throw your flesh on an altar and make you obey something. You're going to have to do that, right? You're going to have to keep your flesh under. Do you ever notice in marriage you can't keep your husband's flesh under? Husbands, you can't keep your wife's flesh under. As a matter of fact, when you try, it's like literally throwing gasoline on a fire, right? 
working out someone else's salvation. That never works, right? If you want to end a relationship really quick, just start working somebody else's salvation out, right? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy. This is telling me that presenting my, you want to know what the definition of a sanctified life, living holy, this is what it is. Are you ready? It's, it's presenting your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And you know it's a living sacrifice because your flesh hates it and it hurts and you don't want to do it, but you do it. Holy, acceptable, look at this, unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now there's a reason why the King James translators translated this reasonable service. Many times in many translations, it will be translated spiritual worship. The, the Greek word for reasonable service literally means logic, right? Paul is literally saying, guys, here is the logical progression. You've got to start by presenting your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. But you've got to do it by the mercies of God, right? And, it, and it's translated, most translations will say spiritual worship. What, what spiritual worship this phrase it means that what you reckon to be true is true. Why? Because it's the logical progression. So here's an example of what I'm talking about. It is not natural. It, it is not logical to your natural mind to declare that you are healed when your body's hurting, when you have an MRI showing bone to bone in a joint and it's screaming at you or whether you've got a kidney stone the size of a baseball right well that that's crazy but you know what I mean right the size of a Brussels sprout you're in trouble there too right but you know it's not logical it's not a logical progression for you to just lift up your hands and say father I thank you that I'm healed when you have symptoms in your body right but if you know what the word of God says about healing, that Jesus himself bore your sickness and carried your pain, if you know that he sent his word and healed you, right? If you know Matthew 8, 17, that he himself bore it and carried it, if you know Isaiah 53, if you know all these scriptures, well, now it becomes a logical progression to believe, wait a minute, I, if God says I'm healed, then I'm healed. So now sickness, you got to get out of my body because I'm healed. Gee, wait, you got to get out of my body. He paid for it, so I don't have to. It's a logical progression now. Why? Because you know something about what from what God's word says. So the Bible tells you that you're to live like you're dead. Right? That the Bible tells us that we're to yield our bodies, right, as being dead to sin and alive to God. We're, we're literally to do that. In other words, we are to live like we are dead to sin. We're commanded to live like we're dead to sin. But that makes no sense that I could declare that when, man, I've got some things in my life that I know I'm doing that... But then you go to Romans chapter 6 and you find out, wait a minute. If I gain knowledge of the word of God that I was crucified with Christ, I was buried with him in baptism, I was raised to a new life, I'm identified with his crucifixion, I'm identified with his resurrection, and now sin will never dominate me, now it's logical. It's like I've gained knowledge, so now it's the logical progression. It's not logical to think that you're prosperous when you are behind on your bills, creditors are calling, you are not making enough money to pay your bills, and everything around you is lack and poverty, but when you gain revelation knowledge that Christ has redeemed you from the curse of poverty and lack, and that he will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory, 
Now it's a logical progression to lift up your hands and say, Father, I thank you. I call all my needs met. I thank, right? And, and that's, see, this is what this is talking about. It doesn't, it's, it's a logical progression for you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Why? Because you gain revelation knowledge that you got to do that. That's what God wants you to do, and he will help you do that. Right? You yield your body. How do you yield yourself dead to sin? You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ and then reckoning yourself dead to sin, which is the logical progression. See, this is the living sacrifice. I'm to yield my body as being dead to sin and alive to God. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm alive to God, but I'm dead to sin. And I'm going to keep my body on that altar. Does that make sense? It's a logical progression. This is what's called a living sacrifice. This is how you live a sanctified life. A one-time decision. I make a one-time decision that I'm alive to God and dead to sin. A one-time decision that I will live out every moment of every day of my time while I'm in this unredeemed body. Right? Paul said, I keep my body under. That literally in the Greek language means I beat my body black and blue continuously. That was him presenting his body as a living sacrifice. Guys, it's okay. Your flesh doesn't like it, but your flesh will do it. Okay, I'll shut up if I got to shut up, right? Your flesh will want, it, want you to say something, and you're like, nope, right? I mean, am I talking to somebody tonight? This is how you find God's plan for your life. Satan will try to ignite your flesh for the purpose of you not living as a living sacrifice. He wants to ignite your flesh. He wants you to live out of your flesh so that you never know God's plan for your life. As we're, we're probably going to get into next week, we'll never get there this week because you got to get out of this mentality that I'm living for my needs. God wants you to forget about that, believe him for the needs, and be focused on God has placed me here. I am a person with a purpose He's got a plan for me. There's a destiny on my life. And I, it's much greater than what I think it is. And I need him to direct it. I need him to show me. So I got to present my body a living sacrifice unto God, right? This is, this is so important. Well, how? Okay, pastor, how in the world do you do Romans chapter 12, verse 1? Right? That's a good question, isn't it? Thank God. The answer is found in Romans 12, verse 2. So this is the answer. This is the answer. Are you having addiction in your life? Do you have anger issues? Are you a worry wart? Right? Do you always, well, I just, are you, are you know, the glass, there's, there's optimists, there's glasses overflowing, right, or full? An optimist is in natural is, oh, the glass is, you know, half full. The pessimist is it's half empty. The pessimist on steroids is, it, there's no water in the glass. Then there's a Christian. My cup's not full. It's overflowing. It's constantly overflowing, right? That's what we want to attain here. How do I do that? How do I overcome all these things in my flesh? Do you know some people are addicted to failure? Nobody in, in my family's ever had anything. Everybody's been a failure, and everybody, and, and, right? But that's not you. You're going to be like your Lord and like your father. Who is your father? Well, I never knew my father. Yeah, you, you're supposed to. He's God. He's not Harry. He's not the guy that abused me. He's not the guy, right, that, that beat me. He's not the guy that sexually abused me. He's not the guy that told me I was stupid. No, he's my father. He's the creator of the universe. That's my dad, right? And, and he's, he's whole and he's for me. So how do I do it? Do not be conformed and be not conformed to this world. 
don't, this word conformed means don't be pressed into the mold to look like someone in the world who doesn't know God. Amen. Right? Don't be molded into. Notice it's, it's a pressing. Satan's going to try to press you. How does he do it? By throwing thoughts to try to get you to express your feelings. Express what you're seeing in your life. Expressing what you're hearing. Start judging other people so that you feel better about yourself. He loves that because now you're being pressed into the mold of the world. It says, be not. What I want you to see about this first four words, and be not conformed, that means you're the one, you're the final decision maker in that. Only you will decide. Not your pastor, not your parents, not your husband, not your wife. Right? Not your children, not your friends, not your boss at work, whatever. No, nobody can do this. You have to decide. You're in control. Isn't that amazing? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. See, you decide to be transformed. This is the Greek word metamorpho. It means, and be changed. Be transfigured. In other words, what's on the inside, the, the real you, let it show on the outside. But be transformed, wow, by the renewing. This, this word renewing in the Greek means the renovation of your mind. See, when you got born again, your spirit's brand new. Your spirit is perfect. So don't clutter it. How do you clutter it? By not renewing your mind. So you got to renovate your mind. You're going to have to renovate. If you were going to go renovate your kitchen, the first thing you would do is, that, is rip out everything that's there. Rip it out. Right? A true renovation, a Bible renovation is not, you know, like they have these bathroom things where they'll come recover your bathroom. No, that's not what God does. He rips the old out. And, and have, has, have any of you ever renovated? Like, like, we actually, we renovated years ago, we renovated our shower. Remember that? Do you know it's been six years, maybe almost eight years now? And I have never walked in my shower and all of a sudden, what happened? All that old junk is back. You would think that's ridiculous, right? Of course it's not back, Tony. They ripped it out. They threw it out. I don't even know where it's at. Do you know the word of God will do that in your mind? Do you know you could be sexually abused as a kid? And the word of God will literally pull that out of your mind so that all you'll have left, you'll have a mental recollection of it, but you literally, you'll never be able to feel what you felt again. Right? Have, have, you ever, have you ever walked into a room and smelled something and it took you back? Do you, know, do you know when God renovates your mind and the only thing that'll renovate your mind is the word of God, you, won't ever, you could smell that smell and it won't even, it won't even register because it's gone. We're talking freedom on a level that the world has no idea. When God pulls out, it's interesting, the Bible talks about that God will pull out every plant or every tree that's in you, that's not of him. Do you know your subconscious mind? They know this now, and studying the brain is like a forest of trees. And as you speak death, it literally creates toxic trees in you. But you know you could speak the word of God and it will literally get those out. You could reprogram your whole mind so that you, and this is how your life is transformed. It change, you could change the way you think. Well, I'm just, you know, this is just not who I am. Then change. Because I got news for you, brother or sister, you probably don't know who you are. Right? I mean, I remember when the Lord told me, Tony, I can't wait to introduce you to you. The real you, not the nightmare you that you think you are. No, that's not who you are. That's just a bunch of junk in your mind. 
planted by the enemy. He uses people, whatever, right? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove. This, liter- this word literally means determined by experience. What is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Three adjectives that describe the will of God for your life. Why good, acceptable, and perfect? It's showing you a progression. Well, what what do you mean a progression? It's a progression to renew your mind. Right? And God wants to move you. You start renewing your mind with the word, and man, freedom comes, and it's awesome. And, And you're like, wow, this is wonderful. What you don't realize is that's just good. You think, for the first time in my life, I'm in the will of God. And you feel like, you're just like, yeah, listen, brother, you have no idea. Because you're like, I remember me when I step into the will of God in my life. I'm like, wow, this is so great. It's like a destination. No, no, you just, this is, this is step one. Then all of a sudden, you just keep renovating your mind and more junk's renovated out and more good stuff's put in. And then you go, good, acceptable. And you're like, whoa. I thought this was, now you're doing the same thing. It's just you become more aware of all that it means. Wow, we're finally pastoring, doing what God's called us to do, where God's called us to do it, and man, we're we're affecting some people. And then you jump into another phase and you're like, wow, we're affecting people kind of all over the world, and then you keep renovating your mind, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is perfect, the perfect will of God, the complete will of God. You know what happens after that? You see Jesus. You're satisfied. I've done everything. I've been, I've been walking in the complete will of God in this area. Now I'm walking, and I'm over here in the good will of God here, but now I'm getting in the acceptable. You're still doing the same thing. It's not three different things. You become more and more aware of how free you are. It's less of you and more of Jesus. I love this. See, this is how you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. you got to renew your mind with the word of God. The renewing of your mind, it literally will cause you to walk in your real nature. It'll build the character of Christ in your thinking so that your behavior will show the character of Christ. Paul is saying that the renewing of your mind, it's the key to walking in victory. Wow. What do you do? So, so now I'm real big on, okay, let's step back now. We've talked about some stuff. Once again, what do you do? You find your answer in the word of God. What are you facing today? Because God's not having you work on more than one thing. What is your area? Find your answer in the word of God. Then what do you do? You renew your mind to it. You find your answer in the word of God. You get two or three scriptures that clearly tell you what what God's will in this area is, you start meditating on those two or three scriptures, they open up, and now you renew your mind to it, and then what's step number three? This is the fun step, you walk in the victory of it. Because he always gives you the victory, and he always causes you to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. See, reading God's word is not enough You've got to renew your mind to it. But now don't give up reading because reading is to lead you to other places. But just, you know, you know, I read my chapter every day. That's great. That puts you in the top 2% of the whole body of Christ worldwide. Unfortunately, because we're so messed up right now, that's all changing. But you've got to renew your mind. It's not enough for the word of God to hit your mind. It's got to dawn on your spirit. Because it changes you. That's the key. You know, that's not really a popular message. But it doesn't get any better than that. What are we talking about? This is everybody's way out. You enter the perfect will of God for your life progressively. 
So Paul is talking about here a progression of walking in the will of God as you renew your mind to the truth. I discover God's plan and purpose for my life as I renew my mind to the word of God. See, and how does it work? Jesus reveals something about himself. And when you see something about him, you learn something about who you are, and then you progress. And then he reveals something about himself. He's my healer. I mean, when Jesus is able to reveal himself to you as a result of you putting the word first and meditating in the word and putting it above everything else in your life, when he reveals, when he's able to reveal himself as your provider, you will never, ever, ever, ever worry about finances again. Because you realize, wait a minute, the one who has everything is with me. The one who knows everything is with me. You imagine if Jesus came to this earth right now and started a business. I think it's hilarious that people thought that Jesus, when he was on the earth, had nothing. That's impossible. He's the only one that kept the whole law. There's no way. I mean, this guy could tell somebody to go fishing and pay their taxes and his. Unlimited resources, right? Unlimited. So much so that when they crucified him, those Roman soldiers, they, they were casting lots for his garment. Because it was just this little statement. It was without seam. Well, do you know who wore garments without seams? Kings. Very wealthy people. That'd be like Jesus wearing a $10,000 Armani suit. Right? But none of it ever had him. And we think he didn't even have a house. I think that's hilarious. We've got to renew our mind to the word of God. Don't buy religion. Right? Every time you drive by a nativity set, you're going to see wise men there. There was not one wise man by the nativity set. They didn't show up for two years. How did we get that wrong? I mean, it's right there. A kindergartner or a first grader could read that and see, well, they're not there. But yet religion, it all started because they wanted to paint a painting of it. And they wanted to fill it in. And, you know, I'm, I'm a certain person in the church and I could say certain things, so I declare that the wise men were there. Okay. Just like people are declaring that God doesn't heal everybody. Right? Some people even declare God doesn't save everybody. Doesn't make it true. What does it say in the word of God? So the difference between being transformed into the image of Christ or being conformed to the world, the difference is who is going to change you? Is the pressure from the outside going to change you? Or is God's word on the inside going to change you? That is the whole game right there. It's the whole game. Being conformed to this world means the outside pressure from the world is what's changing you. That's all that that means. Being transformed, all that it means is you're letting the word of God in your heart change you. Spiritual growth happens when you align your soul with what your spirit already knows from the word of God. There's no spiritual growth until you do that. Spiritual growth happens when you align your soul with what your spirit knows from the word of God. So simple, isn't it? I'm so glad the Lord told me that. Man, he just makes it simple for me. Oh, I get it. So, so I just got to focus on letting the word get richly in me. That's it. And I'll discover and walk out God's plan for my life. So here's a question. If I'm perfect on the inside, then why do I not live perfect on the outside? That's a fair question, right? Isn't that fair? Pastor, I don't agree that you're perfect on the inside because 
I can't be perfect on the inside because my outside life's a mess. Well, let me answer that. The reason why you could be perfect on the inside and not perfect on the outside is because you haven't done anything with your soul that connects me to the outside. Your soul is what connects you to the outside world. If you renew your mind with the word of God, you will see the outside world not as it seems, but as it really is. And you, financially, you'll be able to reach out and grab all the finances that you'll ever need out of the world system. You'll be able to reach out and grab. It doesn't matter what the natural world says about your physical condition. You'll be able to reach out and grab your healing every time. It doesn't matter the pressure and the outside circumstances. It will never affect your joy or your peace or your strength. Think about in life. Could you imagine in every scenario of life, anything that is ever thrown at you cannot move you from the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. It can't move you from the peace of God. That's exactly the way your life's supposed to be. And how you do it is Romans 12, 2. I must renew my mind with God's word. I must align my soul with what my spirit already knows about God on the inside. Because when my soul gets aligned, my soul is what's contacting this outside realm. Now it'll change my behavior. See how simple that is? So man, it's already 8.15. Romans, let me just go quick. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, because I want you to see a couple things here, and we'll come back here next week. I'll just, I'm just going to go a couple more minutes here. Well, 10 more minutes. Okay, if you're going to, I'll make a deal with 14. No, I'm just teasing. No, no, 10, 10 more, and then I'm going to close. There we go. Verse 3, for I say through the great, or I'm going to, not close, I'm going to pause. For I say through the grace given unto me, that to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly, more highly than he ought to think. What does this mean? In the Greek language, it means, this word highly means don't think arrogantly or contrary to. Thinking more highly is thinking beyond the desires that God has given you. Well, man, you know, I'm a pastor, you know what, I, I just, because I do, I think it'd be so cool to do what these guys do up here. I would love to get on a keyboard and just be able to lead worship. I would love that. But if I ever did that, you guys would not be coming up to me afterwards going, wow, pastor, worship was awesome. No, no, no. Why? Because I'd be, I'd be thinking more highly than I ought to think. There's no desire, there's not going to be a desire. Now, I might have a desire in my flesh. I might think it's cool, but it's not a desire of my heart to be a worship leader on stage singing, right? Because I don't have gifts there. That's what this is talking about. Don't think more highly. Don't think of yourself beyond the desires that God gives you, Okay? then you ought to think, but you're to think soberly. This word soberly in the Greek means you're to think clearly. You're to think soundly. You're to think in a right mind. You're to think not moved by your emotions. That's what that Greek word means. So when I'm thinking, I'm not thinking moved by my emotions. Right? According as God has dealt... He's distributed something different. To de- that word, Greek word dealt means he deals something different to each person, right? To every man, the measure, a limited portion of faith. What do you mean a limited portion? You mean my faith is limited? Yes, it is limited to the gifts. Or let me say it this way for right now. It's limited to the desires of your heart that are part of God's will for your life. Your faith is not going to work in an area that God hasn't called you to. 
but you'll have all the faith you'll ever need to do everything God's ever called you to do. And this is what Paul is saying. Verse 4, For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Members, like a member of a body, we're all one body, but we're different members. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Right? You may be a thumb, you may be a nose, you may be eyes, whatever, but we're all part of one body. But see, our faith is limited. We, we've been given faith to walk out God's plan for our life, not to just be a renegade and go do something. If you go try to do something, hey, I'm going to go be a traveling minister. That's what I want to do. I want to be an evangelist. I'm going to go, I just want to go. Go blow in, blow up, and blow out. I don't want, because I really don't like people. I just, you know, I just want to do, well, that's great, brother. But is there a desire from God to do that? Because if there's not, right, Billy Graham, could you imagine how the body of Christ would have suffered in the earth if he decided, you know what, I just want to be a pastor. I don't want to travel my whole life. Right? He, he wouldn't have the faith to do that. But he had the faith to fill up stadiums and lead millions of people to Christ. Could, you know, you went to Bible college with Reinhard Bonnke's daughter. Could you imagine if Reinhardt decided, you know what, I don't like Africa. I want to go be a pastor in Europe. Great. There would be no faith for that. Are you, am I making that clear? So... We all, so here's, here's the verse six that I want you to see. Having then gifts differing. All of us have different gifts. According to the grace that is given. So if I were you at this verse, you need to write next to it, gifts differing. Underneath it, write grace given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Under that right, faith proportioned. Gifts differing, grace given, faith proportioned. We all have different gifts, right? We're all multi-gifted, but we all have different gifts. The gifts are given to us by God. God will not give you a desire contrary to your gift. So that's another way that you can know. So here's four things that will help you determine your purpose. And we'll just kind of close with this. First of all, you have desires. So if you're taking notes, I'd write desires slash you, you pursue your desires. Okay, number one. He's given us four things to determine our purpose. Number one, desires. You pursue your desires. Number two, gifts. All right, slash, you stir your gifts. You stir them. How do you do it? You use your mixer. You use your mouth. I can't even tell you how many times a day I thank God for the honor of pastoring Faith Family Church. I thank God for the honor of teaching his word. I thank God for the honor of being a husband, a father, a grandfather. I thank God for being a friend. Right? I'm stirring things. It's actually stirring some gifts in me. Number three, grace. Grace. Slash. Right? You ready? Grace. You flow in your grace. Okay? So you pursue your desires. You stir up your gifts and you flow in, in the grace because you have all the desires of your heart. You have faith to bring them to pass. Right? You have gifts inside of you that you can stir that will help you bring all this stuff to pass. There's grace there for you. And the number four is faith. 
you exercise your faith. These four things can never be separated. Desires, gifts, grace, and faith. So in other words, I'll finish with this. You discover and fulfill your purpose and destiny. How? By pursuing your desires, stirring your gifts, flowing in your grace, and exercising your faith. That's how you walk it all out. This is not theory. This is the word. So you can get every self-help book on the, in the world, and they might have some great stuff, but it's all going to funnel down to this because this is what God says. Right? To discover, to fulfill your purpose and destiny, you pursue your desires. You stir your gifts. Right? You flow in your grace and you exercise your faith. That's it. So we're going to talk more about this next week because we're... We're, we're, getting, we're getting somewhere. I'll tell you guys, we're, we're at the end of November. Man, why don't you just make 2024 the year where you step in and begin to walk in places you haven't yet? Many of you, I'm preaching to the choir, are on the path, you're doing it. Don't be moved by the circumstances. If you're out of place, you'll know it and God will get you there. But, you know, you just get back on the path and start walking it out. But it's time for you to walk in more. Amen. Supernatural more. Acceleration more. Right? Deliverance in your life from things that's just going to fall off of you that would normally take time. Deliverance financially that would take years and maybe decades in, in months or weeks. I mean, we're talking about a transformed life where all things are possible because you believe God. Amen?